In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Our collect, new from Cranmer in 1549, puts things right into perspective. This is the whole Christian project in a nutshell. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made, and forgive the sins of all those who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may receive from you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. The battle for sanctification is laid out, and it starts and it ends with God and with his gift. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts. Stir up our wills by all means, Fill our minds with noble and edifying ideas. But please, God, in spite of us, change our hearts. For unless our hearts are changed, our pilgrim's progress will be labored indeed. Lent is all about this gracious gift of a merciful God, a change of heart. And Lent is all about a divine intervention in history, and in our hearts, God's work, which has turned us all around 180 degrees as we go underway, as we were underway on our way to everlasting doom. Now, today's task is to get Lent underway. Lent consists of a 40-day fast, up to and not including Palm Sunday and not including any other Sundays, which are to be feast days. Thus, liturgical speak for the amount of liturgical embellishment to be laid on. Lent is lean and mean. The amount of congregational singing is cut down. Today there is none. And the general approach to ceremonial is one of restraint. The big cross is veiled, as you see, The one that we carry out, we do not carry it in, which you will see. It's just been made by Mr. David Hooker to point to the text we heard read from 2 Corinthians. For our sake, he made him to be sin. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a very important point. He made him, Jesus, to be, to become sin. Not just to suffer for our sins, not just to assume our sins as we assume righteousness by the exchange called imputation. Christ becomes sin. He becomes a curse for us. And this crucifix in which corpus and cross are drenched with blood, red, black, molten wax, communicates that. You might want to look at it in the light. There's nothing pretty from here on in. As Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem and we walk the way of the cross, there is nothing pretty at all about this. But now that we are en route, underway, I had better say, Lent is an affirmation. It is an affirmation of repentance, the gift of God of metanoia, the change of heart, which allows everything else to fall into its place, and without which we too 
would be dead in those same sins which Jesus took. The terms of this change of heart are not transformation, God getting his hands on the best that we have to offer. We do the best, God does the rest. That's the slogan of the medieval church. You do the best that is in you, give God something to work with. Sounds very much like the contemporary evangelical church. Surprise, surprise. That is not the way this thing is done. It is done by death and resurrection. The death of the old man, and specifically the death of the desires of the old heart, it is a painfully slow process not to be completed in anyone's lifetime. And in its place, the place left by those dead desires, the grafting in the implanting of the new man, Christ, and his desires within us, as we gradually also come more and more to partake of his divine nature, that's Second Peter, we partake of the life of God. We are participants in God's divine life. What God wants comes to be what we want, too. That's what this whole thing is about. And that is called freedom. It is that to which we are called, liberated, that what we want is what he wants, too. Perfect freedom. It is not easy to give up, however, anything that is in our hearts, even to God. And therefore, we celebrate on Ash Wednesday the gift of death. Because without the gift of death, none of this would be possible. And so, Lent is a massive affirmation of all that this world most dreads. Death, which is basically taboo in our culture, and suffering, also taboo in our culture. And God majors in them both, and thank God for that. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the strain which weaves its way through Ash Wednesday. You've heard it in Genesis as the man and the woman are judged for their disobedience. A disobedience which began when they discovered that they desired the one thing that was forbidden to them. Only one forbidden thing. Imagine that. They are judged for disobeying this one statute, one thin page in one thin book. What a legal library that would make. Imagine, you lawyers, one law, and it was to do with eating. That strikes me very close to the heart. So we, as we enter vicariously into death, refrain from eating, a sure way to die. This is fasting, a discipline which is preeminent in Lent. We push ourselves back from the groaning board, we recuse ourselves and excuse ourselves. We fast, and then we dream the whole day away, thinking only about food and nothing else. Well, that's how we make a spiritual life, I guess. That is our participation in dying, however, for sure. We experience hunger. And dying is about hunger. Death is about being set free from hunger, and that's the difference. 
The world has discovered one or two other things to eat and drink and do that are very tempting since that day in the garden, and some of them are very destructive. So we refrain. Now, I ask you to look at this fasting, excuse me, at this refraining as a privilege, not as a duty. Duty is one of those words that kills everything dead. All the good that duty is there to bring about is dead on arrival. Something about that word, and Paul has much to say about that whole concept. The world is, hear me if you are listening, one great scream of pain. One great tribulation of suffering humanity, suffering animate life, and even the inanimate creation is always splitting and erupting and spitting out volcanic ash and flooding and hailing and dumping slides of rock and mud where it can only bring death and destruction. Who does this? Well, it is happening on the Father's watch, I'm afraid to say all in consequence of sin coming into the cosmos. So if you or I refrain from eating chocolate for 40 days, and I ask, what is that going to do to alleviate the world's pain? What on earth is that going to do to alleviate the pain that shrieks through the cosmos, giving up chocolate? Permit me not to answer. I do refrain from things in Lent that I delight in. Nice things, I hope. But I make no vows over such things. I simply pray for the privilege of refraining for a time. And it is a privilege to refrain. To have the freedom to refrain and not a duty. And when you come up here, as you will be invited to do, should you choose you will receive on your forehead a cross made of soot, of ash. A reminder that we are all to be subsumed to the carbon cycle, whatever the fate of our souls in the end. And that is a good thing. No more aging, no more sickness, no more suffering. We get to lose all that. And when we Come back, we hopefully will have our best 20 years to wear in the new creation. You may brush this little cross off as you go home in obedience to Jesus' words. We used to be very fastidious about this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, They have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. It's like David when he ceased praying for the life of his child and got the news that the child would not be spared. Just like David, who had the heart of God. Anoint your head and wash your face and praise God that your fasting may not be seen by others. Yes, and if all we did was daub you all with ash and drape you with sackcloth and send you out so we should be cautioned. I understand that prophecy is complete. And prophets, well, we are making our foreheads the sign of the cross. 
We are placarding Christ, if you like, in his death. And every day, in some new way, we will all receive less and less affirmation from the world out there for placarding Christ. Just watch your watch, and you can see it happening. There is nothing to be gained anymore for this exercise or any exercise of piety, not even in Wheaton, especially not in Wheaton. So keep your cross of soot on your head and wear it with joy as you join those martyrs who sing around the throne. I think we may do the opposite of what our Lord and Master has said. I hope I proclaim that less than I think I do. The spirit of the law says, go out, unless a cross of soot proclaim to the world that you and I are dead. Dead people. We are dead people. And our lives have been swallowed up in that same Christ who has become a curse for us, crucified for our transgressions and raised for our justification. We die with him so we may rise with him, death and resurrection. This is not a gloomy day, brothers and sisters. It is earnest, it is sincere, it is serious, it is for real. And therefore, it is a glad day. It is not a day for gloom and doom. It is a day for rejoicing. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Ponder that verse. Do not know, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Pray that God will change the desires of our hearts so we may fulfill his law without the knowledge of that fulfillment ever coming up and turning our heads and making us into the Pharisees that we all are. Let's forget about ethics altogether. Write it down. You heard it here. And look to the joy instead of the life the real life, the new life, the kingdom life that Jesus is offering in us. And let us offer to him more and more of what we think we are, to take it and to kill it, so that he may show us and make us what, in his mind and in his heart,